It's a good day, isn't it? All right, you remember last week's study when opposition turns ugly? We saw Nehemiah completing the work that God had appointed him to do, didn't we? And our bad guys, boo, they didn't like it. And so the enemy's tactics were pretty simple. They wanted to distract him. You remember I say, hey, let's go have, you know, a a meal together 37 miles away. And uh, they wanted Nehemiah to compromise with that promise of peace, which, of course, You know, they had no intention of making peace. And then they turned to slander or the fear of slander, you know, accusing him of wanting to take over the kingdom and all that. And they said all sorts of evil things about him, things that would get him in trouble or worse yet. Uh, The king, uh, Artaxerxes, would hear about him and they... He could be executed for it. And then there were threats on his life. And when Nehemiah didn't fail for any of those things, you know, they, they started to be even more subversive. And so as we go into our, our text today, we see that they still haven't given up trying to discredit Nehemiah. But Nehemiah trusted God, and that trust was not misplaced. Why? Because our God is faithful. Amen? So let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are so blessed that you are faithful. I am thankful that you are faithful and you're merciful and you are so full of grace that even when we are faithless, Lord, you continue to love us, guide us, direct us. You never let us go. And that is so important to each one of us. As we go through our, our daily lives, there's so many struggles and there's so many temptations in this world. Lord, you keep us in your hand. Nobody can snatch us from your hand because you are faithful. So as we go through this amazing text and continue this story that you have given us about Nehemiah, would you speak to each one of our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're on cha- uh, chapter 6, verse 15. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation today. So, verse 15. So, on October 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. Remember back in those days, they didn't have inspectors, so they could probably get things done a little bit quicker than if you have ever built a house. It's like, are you kidding me? You have to have permits. You have to have inspectors. Um, I once heard a story about uh, Noah's Ark and that if he had to depend on the governing officials, he would never have built the Ark because there was just too many things wrong with it, right? But They didn't have that, and they had the resources there, so that made it much easier. But also keep in mind that only half of them could work. Remember what happened? They had to set guards around because there was threats on on their lives and stuff. So while one was working, the other one was there with a sword, and then they would switch off. And so this is what they did for 52 days. And so it's pretty miraculous that with all the opposition, they got this work done. And it was estimated that there were several thousand of them working on this wall. But it was back-breaking work. And no doubt they'd get tired, your hands would get blisters. Can't imagine what their backs must have felt like. But they got the work done because God was faithful to see them through. And then verse 16, it says, 
When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. I'm going, yes, I love humiliation when they're being bad guys. But see, after all the effort they went through, they couldn't stop the work that the Lord had appointed Nehemiah to do. Always remember that. If God says to do it, he will make it happen. It's not for us to say, okay, you know, I I need to make this happen. God's already made it happen. We just follow in his footsteps. Amen. Then the end of 16, it says, they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Amen to that. Uh, There was a martial arts student that went to his teacher and said earnestly, I am devoted to studying your martial arts system. How long will it take me to master it? The teacher reply was very casual. He says, "Mm, 10 years. Impatiently, the student answered, but I want to master it faster than that. I will work hard every day. I will practice every day, 10 or more hours a day if I have to. How long will it take me then? The teacher thought for a moment and says, hmm, 20 years. So why is that? Because he was going to try to do this all on his own. It's a great lesson for us. The student thought he could do the work all on his own, and that is why it would have taken twice as long. So the the moral of the story here is that if Nehemiah had not trusted in the Lord, it would have taken him much longer to complete the wall. But he did depend on God, and Nehemiah's enemies became painfully aware of this fact. So much so, they became frightened. But what if... Uh, Of what? Why would they be frightened? Well, they saw the power of God, number one. And they saw their own power slipping through their fingers. You remember, they were taking advantage of the Jewish people. So now, you know, these Jewish people are becoming strong. They got a new wall. They're They're starting to fix up their city. The temple has been rebuilt. And so all this power that they had gathered because of the oppression of the Jewish people was just slipping through their fingers. And so they were afraid. Then verse 17 says, During those 52 days, many letters went back and forth between Tobiah and the nobles of Judah. How hard it must have been for Nehemiah to know that his fellow Jews were being subversive. And they were joining in the opposition. How could this have happened? Well, Tobiah wrote letters to the nobles. And instead of seeking out the truth, the nobles believed the enemy's lies and became traitors to their own people. That's why we always need to back up what we hear with facts, don't we? Don't believe everything you read on the internet. Don't believe what, you know, uh, the... the The news tells us don't, you know, always check it out yourself. And you will find that oftentimes the story isn't true. But no doubt Tobiah made it easy for them with promises of, you know, hey, you know, when I'm ruler in Judah, you know, I'll make you guys, you know, my officials and that kind of stuff. And verse 18 gives us a little insight into their mindset. It says, for many in Judah had sworn allegiance to him, because his father-in-law was Shechaniah, son of Ara, and his son Jehohanan was married to the daughter of Meshulan, son of Berechiah. Wow, there's a mouthful. But <laughs> there's a reason why it's in here. This was a problem 
that started in the book of Ezra. And if you want to just kind of understand the whole story of how Nehemiah came to inherit all these problems, read the book of Ezra. It's very eye-opening. But what had happened is the Jewish people were intermarrying with pagans. And so let's look at Shechaniah, who was a Jewish noble. And after Ezra had offered sacrifices to the Lord, Shechaniah no doubt was feeling a little convicted about the practices of himself and fellow Jews. And he wanted to confess his wrongdoing to Ezra. And so if you want to turn there, uh, I'm going to be reading out of Ezra chapter 10 and verses 2 through 4. Then Shechaniah, who was a Jew, son of Jehiel, a descendant of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God, for we have married these pagan women of the land. But in spite of this, there is hope for Israel. Let us now make a covenant with our God to divorce our pagan wives and send them away with their children. We will follow the advice given by you and by the others who respect the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law of God. Get up, for it is your duty to tell us how to proceed in setting things straight. We're behind you, so be strong and take action. So Ezra was so disheartened when he found out that the Jewish people had done this, that he had just fallen down on his knees, and that's why Shechaniah had told him, stand up, let's, get, let's fix this. I understand we've really blown it here, but we can fix this. So simply put, the Jews intermix with pagans, and then it gets worse. Not only were the Jewish people doing that, but the Jewish nobles, priests, and high officials were doing this. They set the example. That's why it is so important that if you're in any kind of leadership in the church, you need to watch your P's and Q's, don't you? Because you're setting an example for the rest of the fellowship. People will look to you and say, well, she does it, why can't I? It's a big problem. So let's look at this. Shechaniah allows his daughter to marry Tobiah. That is why it says the people swore allegiance to him because his father-in-law was Shechaniah, a Jewish noble. Then Tobiah's son, who is now a half-Ammonite, marries the Jewish noble Meshulam's daughter. Not only was he a Jewish noble, he was actually called a prince of Judah. And so now you can see Tobiah's daughter-in-law is a princess. So you can kind of see what Tobiah's doing here, don't you? You know, he's going, hey, I'm gathering a pretty good army here. You know, I've got a Jewish officials. I've got Jewish nobles. You know, I'm, I'm married into that family now. And he's trying to get the people to follow after him. And you can see that the daughters are just used as bargaining chips. (laughs) Typical, huh? But why is this such a big deal? Other than the misuse of their daughters. First and foremost, God said not to intermarry with those outside the Jewish faith. He says in Deuteronomy 3, 3 through 6, You must not intermarry with them. Do not let your daughters and sons marry their sons and daughters. For they will lead your children away from me to worship other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and he will quickly destroy you. This is what you must do. You must break down their pagan altars and shatter their sacred pillars, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their idols. 
<clears throat> excuse me, for you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. That pretty much says it, doesn't it? And now we see them in captivity, and it's like they completely forgot about their covenant with God. And they're marrying outside of the faith. We also have a similar commandment found in 2 Corinthians 6.14, where it says, Do not be unequally yoked to unbelievers. That is applied to marrying an unbeliever also. So be careful. So at the end of Ezra, we see this list of those noble priests and officials who had married pagan wives. It is about 120 of them. These are leaders in the community. So this had permeated throughout the whole city. They did confess their wrongdoing, but now we see the consequences of their actions, don't we? The Jewish people recognize that Tobiah had ties to the high-ranking Jewish leaders. Therefore, in their mind, he was a man of importance, and they should listen to him. So when he was sending out all those letters of slander and that kind of thing, they're going, well, isn't, this, isn't his daughter a princess of Judah? You know, isn't his wife uh, the, the daughter of a, a Jewish uh, noble and leader? You know, they're going, okay, I guess we got to listen to this guy. So Tobiah was very crafty in building up his alliances, wasn't he? Then verse 19 says, They kept telling me about Tobiah's good deeds, and then they told him everything I said. And Tobiah kept sending threatening letters to intimidate me. So now these high-ranking Jewish officials who had, in a sense, bonded themselves to this Tobiah character was speaking well of Tobiah, saying, oh, come on, you know, he's not so bad, you know. After all, you know, he's, he's kind of mixed in with our society. He's married our, our daughters. His son has married, you know, our daughters and that kind of thing. I'm sure he's not that bad. And then they would, whatever Nehemiah said, they would go back to Tobiah and say, well, Nehemiah said this and this and this and this and this. So in, in, in other words, they were being traitors to their own people. No doubt they were hoping to win, again, Tobiah's favor, and thus earned a greater reward when Tobiah became ruler, because that's ultimately what he wanted. I mean, we can kind of see that, don't we, with all the alliances. You know, we see this kind of intrigue in the world today, you know, where they still have uh, marriages of convenience, especially in the Mideast, you know, where they still use their daughters as uh, a way to build alliances. So they were allowing themselves, in essence, to be used by the enemy of God, weren't they? And they still hadn't learned their lesson. Over and over, we see this within the Jewish people. They would, come, they would repent, and then they would fall right back into their previous life. And now Tobiah was back to his old tactic of sending threatening letters. You know, he did this before, and now he's doing it again. And he was trying to scare Nehemiah. Do you think that moved Nehemiah? I think not. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. And this is what Tobiah was doing. Maybe Nehemiah drove Tobiah crazy. I don't know. It kind of sounds that way because he kept thinking that it was going to work. Maybe he thought he could, you know, wear poor Nehemiah down. But he just kept doing the same thing over and over again. So what is our lesson for today? It's about God's faithfulness. 
Deuteronomy 7, 9. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commandments. This is in our little study sheets that we have today. But it is so important to, uh, to read this and to understand what it's saying here. See, throughout Nehemiah's whole ordeal, we see God's faithfulness because Nehemiah was faithful to go to God for everything in prayer. When we say God is faithful, that means that we can trust him, we can rely on him, depend on him totally without reservation. That's what that means. That is what is available to each one of us. He will do what he says. He must because it is his nature. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. But how then should I live knowing God's faithfulness? Furthermore, What does this mean to me? I mean, it means everything. God's faithfulness means everything to us as believers. There are literally dozens and dozens, if not thousands, of scriptures of God's faithfulness, of how faithful he is. None, however, may be the most life-changing as those that proclaim his forgiveness of our sins. Amen. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's because he is faithful. That is why he forgives us. God's faithful promise was fulfilled in the New Testament when he sent Jesus Christ to atone for our sins. No matter what sins we've committed... No matter how bad they are, God is faithful to forgive us if we accept Jesus and repent of our sins. That is how faithful he is. And that is the foundation of our faith. Without it, without the forgiveness of sins, then there is no point, is there? But God is so faithful that anyone who seeks him will find him. If you seek forgiveness, if you seek the Lord, he will always be there to be found. Remember? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's always there. No matter what we're going through, even if we've been faithless, he's just standing there knocking on the door, says, you know, anytime you want to open that door, I'm there. Remember that. Faith is a gift. But even a gift must be open to be enjoyed. Amen? And as we implement or practice that faith, we begin to realize more and more about God's faithfulness to us. But let's look at some more promises here. 1 Corinthians 1, 7 and 9. Excuse me, 1, 7 through 9. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end. I love that. Keep you strong to the end. So that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into partnership, I really like that part, with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now look at the part where it says God will do this. This is the key. It's like our martial arts student, you know, who wanted to do it all himself. I will study. 
and I will practice 10 hours a day. You know, I don't need you, instructor. I will do this. Well, in the same way, if we say that to the Lord, I don't need you, Lord. I'm going to become strong Christian all on my own. Guess what? It's not going to happen. <laughs> Even if you work hard for 20 years, it ain't happening. But you see, God must do this. It isn't something that we can do on our own. Then look what it says. We have been invited to be a partner with Jesus. I love having a partner in Jesus. Jesus, I mean, think about that for a moment. Isn't that an amazing thing? He is our partner. He will help us through everything. 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. That's what a partner does, huh? He will be there to help us through. This is one of my favorite go-to verses when I am struggling. But look closely at what it says. God will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. That is so important. Always remember that. You can withstand it. If it's there, you can withstand it because God is faithful. Uh, So many times I'll hear women say, oh, you just don't understand. I can't take anymore. Well, you know what? The promise is here. So obviously you can. I know it's hard, but you know what? This is what the word says, and God's word is true, isn't it? But... We always remember that everything that happens to us, every temptation, every heartache, every bad thing that happens to us has gone through the loving arms of our Savior. Always remember that. Nothing gets by him. Remember, he is still the ruler of the universe. He can control what happens to you. So when we're going through difficulties and we're tempted, maybe even sin, always remember that. God is allowing it. Even if it's something bad, God knows, you know what? This is a bad thing, and I love her so much, I am going to allow her to go through it because in the end, she will be so much better than she is today, and I will be able to mold her and shape her and turn her more into my image because that's what we want to do, isn't it? And the key to having victory is looking for that way out because God promises it is there. It's also important to truly look at your own heart during those circumstances and ask the question, do I really want a way out? Okay, let's be honest. Sometimes we don't. This is too much fun, right? Why would I want a way out of it? So that is like first step. Make sure you want the way out. Then that's when it presents itself. I mean, what can God do if you really don't want a way out? Remember, we're pretty faithless at times. Am I ready to give up that sin? And we just need to be honest with ourselves. And we need to humble ourselves before a loving God. And he will give you that strength. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 tells us, But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. He will strengthen you. Is this something we can do on our own? Again, no. We saw this played out in Nehemiah's life, didn't we? The evil one came against him time and time again. And each time, Nehemiah seemed to become stronger and stronger and more resolute, didn't we? 
at first he was probably kind of taken back like, whoa, wasn't expecting all this. But then after a while, you can just see him, you know what? I will not back down because God has said, I will do this. And he became stronger as he kept going to the Lord and just saying, my God will be my strength. He actually became stronger. It's like when I am weak, then I am strong. That's what that verse means. If we're weak and we keep relying on the Lord, that is when we become stronger. Much to the annoyance of Tobiah and Sanballat, but what if you are unfaithful? Romans 3, 3 through 4. True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. Always remember that. Because, you know, we've all been here. We've all been unfaithful at times. But because you are a child of God, no one snatches you out of his hand. Always remember that. He is there waiting for you to repent. And this should give us great comfort. The meaning of faithful, I looked it up and it says, loyal, steadfast, constant, true, unswerving. I love that because I know I really can't say I've been this all the time, every time. We all struggle in these areas, but he never does because he just loves us so much. Just like a child saying, yep, I know you're going to be bad. You're not going to eat your vegetables, but I love you anyway, right? (laughs) Of course, it's a lot more severe with with God because, you know, we're always doing much things worse than not eating our vegetables. But anyway, I digress. But I know I have been unfaithful in so many ways, but that doesn't matter to God because he's always faithful no matter what. So what is our lesson today? Our response to his faithfulness should be that we trust him more and more and don't doubt his care and love for us and his direction that he wants to give us. I found this great story. Once there was a man being chased by a tiger. Of course, we don't have to worry about it. We don't have tigers. Okay, let's say mountain lion. But anyway, uh, he was being chased by a tiger. And he was running as hard as he could. Unfortunately, he reached the edge of a cliff. And the tiger was still coming upon him. When he looked down the cliff, he saw a branch growing out of the side. Just a few feet down, he jumped off the cliff and grabbed the branch. And so he's hanging there. Just then, a mouse came out of a hole near the branch and started to chew on the branch. As the mouse continued to chew, the man notices that the branch is getting weaker and weaker. And below him was a drop of about a 1,000 feet. He would surely die should the branch fail. Frightened, the man looked up in the sky and yelled, Dear God, please help me. Please save me. I will do anything you ask me to do. Suddenly, a voice came booming from the sky and questioned, Will you do anything I ask? The man was shocked to hear the reply, and he replied back, Yes, I will do anything. Just save me. The voice from the sky replied, There is only one way to save you, but it will take courage and faith. Can you do what I ask? Do you have faith? The man saw the branch begin to loosen, and the tiger up above. And finally he says, please, God, tell me what to do. I will do whatever you say. Your will is my will. 
God answered him and said, then let go of the branch. After a long silence, the man looks down again, and at the top of the the cliff, saw the tiger, saw the mouse chewing on the branch. And he yelled, is there anyone else up there? (laughs) See, we laugh, but sometimes we do that, huh? I mean, we're in dire situations, and we go, oh, you know what? I, I, I know, Lord, you're telling me to do this, and this will probably get me out of my predicament, but it's so scary, I don't have the courage to do it. And we really don't mean it when we say, your will is my will, you know? So just remember that. Sometimes we do that. So many times we miss out on something amazing that God has planned for ourselves, for us. And I get it, because God is sometimes asking us to do difficult things, isn't he? But if he asks, then it is his faithfulness that will see us through whatever he has in store for us. It is his faithfulness. He will always give you the strength. He will always give you the wisdom. He will always give you the power to carry out his plans. He never leaves you hanging from a branch. Because he is always faithful. Listen to what Paul said about this in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. It is all about his faithfulness. We need to depend on that. And my prayer is that we will never... We'll never be just hanging on a cliff and try to find a plan B, someone else out there to help us. That we will depend on the Lord, whatever circumstance we're in, whatever difficulty we're in, God will be there. He will give you the strength to do what he asks. He will give you the power to get through any and all trials. And just like Nehemiah, if we don't let the enemy get the upper hand, compromise, so to speak, but instead depend on God alone, we will be victorious. Amen. With that, let's close in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, there is so much that we can glean for them from this amazing scripture, this whole series of Nehemiah, Lord. There's so many life-changing uh, lessons that we can apply Help us never to read these things in vain, Lord, but to apply them to our lives and to understand your faithfulness in everything we do, everything we say, every trial, every heartache. Lord, we know that you are there. And it is because you are faithful that we never have to worry, that we need to just trust in you, Lord. Help us to have that desire to get to know you more and more. And as we know you, we will trust you. And in your faithfulness, Lord, we will will stand. And so we love you, Lord. We thank you. And as we talk about uh, this in our groups, just be among us, us, Lord. Uh, Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.